Let's go, boys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. As Cam just said there in the intro, I hope you're having a great day wherever you are, wherever you're listening. I get data with these podcasts, which is cool, and it lets me know where people are listening. Uh, it doesn't give me streets or addresses or anything like that, so don't be worried. Um, but it does give me countries, cities, and uh, obviously there's a lot of listeners in Australia, but we're picking up a few in the US and UK. Hello to my friends over there. It's good to have you listening. Hopefully you're enjoying the podcast this far. If it's your first time here, um, I basically jump on here. We grab an artist each week. We just chat. We chat about anything. Um, I know that a lot of the times when you're speaking with artists, you're usually speaking with them because of a reason, such as they've got an upcoming tour or they're promoting an album or something like that. But the idea of this podcast is to just have a casual chat, see what gets brought up in the conversation, and we'll just head down that avenue with them. Today, I'm really, really stoked to bring on Dave Faulkner. He is the singer of the Hoodoo Gurus. Now, they've had a lot of hits. Their big breakout song was What's My Scene? Uh, that was released in the 80s, but it actually got a bit of a revival in, I want to say the late 90s, early 2000s, when the NRL, I think they bought the song and they got them to redo the song. Instead of What's My Scene, they called it That's My Team. And the song got another kick, you know, over a decade after it was written, it became popular again. I mean, it was never not popular, but you know what I mean. Everyone was talking about the Hoodoo Gurus and that song again. And as I was growing up, you know, as a kid, when you'd hear that song, it meant a few things. It meant it was Friday night, the footy was going to be on, and hopefully the Tigers were going to win. I'm holding on to memories because uh, we haven't had a great year this year. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, like I said, Dave Faulkner, Hoodoo Gurus, the guy that wrote that song. He's going to be on the show very soon. This one's another interview over Zoom. I did last week's Steve Kilby via Zoom. I don't love Zoom. I don't like doing it that way. Um, but, you know, when people are in different cities and states, there's no other way to really do it. I'm not going to drive, you know, a thousand kilometres to them. I mean, I could. I just don't have the time. But, yeah, I love technology. I always try to get my hands on, like, the newest gadgets and stuff I love cameras, I love laptops, I love phones. Um, I, I, I like to think of myself as someone who's quite progressive with that sort of stuff. Um, I like to learn all about the technology, but it failed me on this interview. Slightly. There's a part in this interview, and hopefully I've edited it well enough that you can't really notice, so I shouldn't really be telling you, but you know, you've got to be honest with the audience. I asked Dave who punched him in the face. Because he writes this song on the new album about being punched in the face. And I thought, I have to throw that question to him. So I throw this question. I say, who punched you in the face, Dave? And just as he starts to answer it, the computer shut off. So I had to quickly work out why my brand new computer, which I bought literally a week ago, why it had shut off. Something was going on with the screen or something and it went black. Anyways, I got it up, logged back into Zoom. And Dave was still there waiting. 
which was good of him because he could have left. And we continued the interview. We didn't really, really miss out on much, but I think the momentum sort of sort of stopped. Well, it literally did stop. We spoke about a lot of things. Um, obviously, that question, who or why he got punched in the face. Uh, we talk about a time that he got quite annoyed at some climate change denialists and um, got a little aggressive. He didn't hurt anyone, but I think a chair ended up being a victim in this case. We talk about his songwriting process. I always love to quiz my guests about the songwriting process. We talk about a lot of these songs on this new record that are so deep to his core. Now, he's a very, always been a very honest songwriter. He writes these songs about friendships and broken friendships, and sometimes those people that you write those songs about, they end up listening to the tunes, and sometimes your stories aren't always uh, too favourable for some people. And uh, it can end friendships. I'll, uh, I'll leave it there. And we also talk about the one guy who can tell Dave Faulkner what to do. There aren't many in this world. He admits that. But there's one that will pull him up on a few things. So without further ado, here he is. Dave Faulkner, Hoodoo Gurus. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good to get you on here. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, I was just I just got to disconnect a few bloody hard drives. I was doing some bloody Photoshop work on a tour poster. Do you make the posters for the band? Well, I did the album cover, but I didn't do I didn't design the logo. That was um, a you know company we worked with. The actual you know the little medallion thing with our, lo- our yeah. name on it. Yeah, the actual uh, the whole all the artwork stuff I did. Yeah. Wow, very creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, well, I was sort of it's because of Facebook, really. I got caught up in, um, you know, designing stuff for Facebook and I was doing banners and things that I thought, you know, we knew this what the album title was going to be, so I kind of had this idea of a flying saucer flying over a uh, an ancient uh, monument. I was talking to Steve Kilby from the church the other day and he was telling me about he does the art as well. Yeah, we've been uh, painting was sort of the thing that I was known for in my family and I was discouraged from pursuing that because, of course, you know, being an artist is a very fly-by-night occupation to have, which, of course, you know, was so crazy that I ended up being a musician, which is even more fly-by-night. So I kind of, you know, took that on board and I, and I was guided into um, becoming an archi- architect instead of a, a, a painter. I actually went to university and attempted to start an architecture course, but unbeknownst to me, all my life I've been doing music and I was writing songs. I had a rock band in high school that I used to play around, you know, school functions and go to other schools even. We were popular because we were cheap. When I went to university, I just kept playing music and I just was so occupied with that. I did, never went to lectures for architecture and I ended up failing that and realised I actually was a musician. I just hadn't, you know, actually chosen it, just chose me. Never looked back, surely. Yeah, but still the art skills are there, you know, and I still like visual, you know, you know, express myself visually, so, yeah. I saw on your Facebook page, you're busy this week, you were uh, helping out Support Act. Support <laughs> I was Act. indeed, yes. Uh, yeah, and they met the PM. They have this dinner they do every year apparently. I didn't realise this. It was my first time going. But um, a big charity dinner and, and as one of the events that they raise money with and um, they honour a particular artist as, as the hook for the, the actual event. So this year it was actually Midnight Oil. Okay. Uh, so they were the guests of honour. And so several artists performed their songs and so I was asked to sing one of their songs which was kind of a strange thing to, to do. And which way did you do? I did a song from Blue Sky Mining called One Country. Nice. 
Um, I slightly messed it up. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot the lyrics at one point. I had to pause. Like, which is an unforgivable sin when you're performing. You got to keep playing that guitar and keep the rhythm going. But I actually, literally stopped. Went like, I've forgotten. All's well that ends well, as they say. You know, it was all right from there. It's a great charity as well, Support Act, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah, and they've been run off their feet the last few years, of course. But uh, no, I've been involved in them quite a lot. You know, I donate every year, and we have, of course, they have that T-shirt day, which is a big thing for them as well every year. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're always out there doing things. And the great thing about Support Act is, I mean, they do their work in, in secret in a sense. You know, the people that are being benefited, little handouts from them to help them along in, a, in an emergency, they never reveal that. You know, it's all very kept hush-hush. And, so, you know, so you wouldn't know if someone that you know has, like, had a terrible, you know, accident or whatever or, you know, or is sick with COVID and they couldn't work or they had to cancel shows and they might get some money from Support Act to help pay their rent just to get them over that hump. With Support Act, they're obviously helping out musicians, especially after the last couple of years that yeah. we've had. Um, how have you spent the last couple of years? Obviously, there's a new album. Yeah. So you've uh, been quite productive. We'd already kind of planned on having a year of, of pretty much laying low because we knew we had, we had our 40th anniversary coming up. And uh, we thought what we're going to do is a big tour, which is, of course, what we're about to start in a couple of weeks, finally, after several yeah. false starts. And uh, so we planned that and we thought we want to do an album as well. The idea was we shouldn't be playing too much, you know, and be around the traps too much. You know, the people are going to say, well, we just saw them last week, you know, so we can't, you know, expect them to come and see us at a big show somewhere else, you know. So we had to pretty much lay low anyway, and um, we planned on making the album. But we actually had other tour plans in mind as well, maybe going doing some international stuff, and, of course, that all went out the window. So we just made that album for two years instead of, you know, one year, I and mean, there's no other gigs. You know, we were planning to do some shows, but, of course, it pretty much went down to zero. Apart from we were very lucky we had the, um, the Red Hot Summer came on board. And with Jimmy Barnes had a, a, a package tour with a bunch of different artists, you know, Dicker and Linder and Diesel and, um, you know, Chris Cheney. And we managed to get through a few states, but then uh, New South Wales and Victoria shut down again because we'd already been through one big lockdown. And there's another big lockdown happened, and and a, a great festival. I um all of a sudden this concert five minutes from my house pops up, and it was the Red Hot Summer. Uh, me and my partner were like, "Got to get tickets!" And that lineup was insane. Yeah, that no, was it was it was a really hot day, wasn't it? Yeah, and we were playing you know songs that weren't you know on the new album that hadn't come out yet. So you know we had a bit of that was kind of cool. The the restrictions backstage were insane. I mean, no one was allowed backstage other than the artists. You know, no one from record companies or anything like that. No, and so it was just crew and artists, and we were all kept separate from each other. No one was allowed to go mingle. Um, you occasionally, you know, see each other going to the vehicles and talk. You know, but yeah. no, no visiting each other's dressing rooms and you know helping helping yourselves to the brighter. <laughs> yeah it's good no one can come in and touch it that's great that's right that's right <laughs> i was listening to the the new album i've listened to it a few times um this sounds silly but it's very hoodoo gurus i mean i can just picture people that first started listening to the hoodoos would love it and people who were jumping on board now would love it too it's very upbeat it's fun it's funny a lot of people have said that and you know we have no idea how that you know how it comes across to other people we just see what it's like from us from the inside and you know for us a profound change was having uh mark kingsley retire from the band some years ago and and getting nick into the band and that's changed the dynamics within the band you know his sort of style of playing is a little bit more um, sinuous a little bit more swing and that kind of brings out a different sort of flavor in my songwriting i think um, but yeah, then you have people like you know saying what you said. You know, it sounds like a classic Guru Guru. Is like, oh, 
if it sort of brings back, um, you know, things, flavours that people recognise as being identifiably us, that's all for the better, I guess. As far as writing it, uh, I've been through quite a few, some particularly awkward situations in my private life that that have been you know building for years in fact some things that have been happening in a, in a, a friendship that went unfortunately sort of ran aground and and that sort of shows up in quite a few of the songs so some of the issues from that it was very much things that were concerning me then of course there's my you know view on the world and some issues that come out you know songs like hang with the girls and title track as well you know it's kind of this me sort of talking about some larger issues rather than just my personal life who punched you in the face? <laughs> now, I don't know who it was. I don't know who it was. Basically, I, w- I was in this nightclub. It was in the wee small hours, pretty much daylight or just before daylight. And so I'd had a couple. And um, I was just being overly friendly to some people that were walking in, the guy and his girlfriend. And, uh, you know, I wasn't particularly making a move on the girlfriend or anything, but the guy thought I was. And just, you know, some angry. I mean, who knows? He was on something himself. But he just basically just rounded out and smashed me in the, you know, punched me in the face. I mean, I was being yep. silly, but it wasn't exactly, you know, it wasn't a threat. So it was a very, so that's what it's based on. But the actual um, story I'm telling is, is kind of another incident as well where uh, we had a Christmas lunch a couple of years ago and it was after the huge bushfires that happened in New South Wales and Sydney. And uh, I, I'd had a Christmas, pre-Christmas lunch with some friends of mine and some of them are uh, climate change denialists. Mm. I'd had a few and I was at a pub afterwards, in fact, so I'd had all the red wine and the beers and, the you know, all the, the food and we were kicking on. It was now about five or six o'clock. So, you know, again, the wrong, <laughs> I should have been home in bed or, you know, somewhere, you know, having coffee and calming down. But uh, instead I was still going. And uh, one, I just asked one of them, you know, so now do you believe in climate change? And they said no. And here we are with this, you know, the evidence you know, breathing in our lungs, choking on, on the fumes from all this you know, incredible hot spell we'd had from the La Nina and, and uh, you know, the drying out of all the uh, undergrowth that had caused this incredible bushfires. I'm not a violent person, but I was just kind of very angry and I didn't know how to express it, so I ended up picking up a chair and sort of throwing it on the ground and picked up another one, like stool, these bar stools, and basically just kind of like, you know, acting out. That was what inspired that song, that incident, as well as the uh, the previous one. I'm and guessing you don't uh, talk to that person anymore. I do. No, oh, I, they're, do. Still, they're still friends of mine. I mean, you know, okay. I have friends that are, you know different shades of politics. So of course, you've got a kind of you know. I mean, much as I deplore some of their opinions, you, you, I, I understand they're, they're, they're who they are as people. So more importantly, I mean, hopefully they will learn. You know, that the error of their ways. You know, a bit like you know so many things and unfortunately you know everything's polarized nowadays you know something as benign as you know let's have a vaccine to stop a pandemic it becomes a you know fighting words you know it's ridiculous so you know i i haven't quite cut these people off <laughs> but uh, and they didn't cut me off for being an asshole you know throwing chairs around either but they weren't you know they were looking at me with amusement probably but it was all captured on a um uh you know camera in the in the um this club and uh and I saw the footage afterwards, it was kind of funny. And so that, in fact, is what I based, it inspired the video for the, for, the, for the song World of Pain as well. Now, in that moment when you, you know, you, you get fired up, we all get fired up. And thanks for sharing that story as well. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's really cool. Is that your, your way of dealing? Your medicine is to go back and start writing about it? Totally. Yeah, I mean, you know, I pro- there's another song, um, uh, um, Answered Prayers, I, I mentioned about you know, the friendship that went south. Well, that sort of was about that particular situation where I 
was, you know, watching a very toxic relationship and from a, from a distance and, you know, I was really horrified by what I was seeing and the dynamics and um, and that song just came out. And um, then we went to, I went to rehearsal the next day and we put the put a rhythm arrangement on it and it, sounded, it started sounding quite interesting and so it, I was kind of, you know, excited by it and I went home and next morning I woke up and the words just poured out of me as quickly as almost as, as you know, it took me to write them. They were just complete. I hardly changed a, a syllable and it doesn't usually happen that way. Normally it takes a bit of, you know, honing and, you know, second verse, whatever, And but it was just, it just poured out and it kind of frightened me because it was so graphic about this, this how I felt about this particular relationship. And um, But it had been something that had been brewing for years, this particular situation, and I was becoming more aware of how badly I thought it was, you know, it was unequal in this this relationship and how one person was basically being, I thought, you know, emotionally abused. So, yeah, and I wrote the song and I didn't know what to do with it because I was worried about this, the, um, you know, the people would recognise themselves in it because <laughs> it's quite specific in a couple of details. And um, I was kind of a bit worried about it, but unfortunately the friendship ended, um, you know, a few weeks later of its own accord. Um, the, the other party, uh, I was pretty much just cut off. They, they ordered to not see me anymore. I was kind of pretty shattered by that. And so I thought, well, don't have that friendship to protect anymore. There's, you know, the, uh, I mean, they'll know what I'm thinking, but, you know, no one else will know who it is. But um, do you know if that person heard the song? They did about six months later, I believe. Yeah. They weren't happy. Okay. Because obviously I'm saying quite, you know, some pretty dark things about their relationship, but they don't see it that way because they're in it. But it was my opinion. I've always seen you as a very honest songwriter and it's brave as well to release the songs. Yeah, well, I mean, it is certainly going to be, you know, if there's ever any sort of, you know, uh, book written about my songs or me, <laughs> that will be certainly something that gets raised as, you know, that I wrote this this uh, quite a damning song about someone that was very close to me. Yeah. My yeah. favourite on the album, Carry On. Oh, cool. Oh, it's just got such a, a good vibe to it. Uh, serious, though. It's a, it's a serious song. True. but it's yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just... It resonated with me, so. Well, you know, I mean, it's funny. It was again that was about for me, things in my personal life and how I was, you know, just going. Well, you know, you just got to push through. Um, and and it wasn't just that situation I was talking about there, but that was part of it. The video, actually, funnily enough, I thought of it before COVID. It's uh, basically it's sort of a day in the life of a nurse who's you know dealing with life and death situations and uh, and having to cope with that emotionally and the toll it takes on them and. Uh, my sister-in-law is a, a life career nurse, and uh, so I'm very aware of this thing, the stress and the strains of that job. And and um, I had this idea about making it about a day in the life of a nurse, and you know, then of course, you know, that the patient actually dies, and that you know, then COVID came along, and of course, everyone thinks it's about COVID, and that it is a non-specific uh, breathing illness <laughs> the person's suffering from in the in the video. We don't; it's not literally COVID, but it could be. How are you writing a song? What's your process? Do you find time? Do you think, you know, tomorrow between the hours of this, I'm going to sit down or is it when it's on, it's on? You know uh, what I mean? It's both. Um, when, when I'm actually writing an album, it's the first thing you said, which is I actually have to go and I'll sit at this table right here and I'll get my guitar and I'll have my computer with all my um, scraps of melodies and, and riffs that I've assembled over years in some cases and you know but most of the songs are actually brand new in the sense that i finished them right before we made the album or as we we're making the album um so uh but what i do is i i'll you know if i'm going out you know shopping or something i might just something melody might pop in my head and so i sing it in my phone and save it as a as a memo 
Um, in the old days, way back before cell phones, I used to actually call my answering machine when I was out and about. I'd dial my phone at home. Oh, that's and such a great idea. And sing it into the answering <laughs> machine. I wouldn't even think of that. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's such a great idea. Yeah, so that and yeah, that was kind of funny. But um, so there's all these little sort of, in a sense, like you know, sketches or snatches of you know this, that, and the other. And and uh, when I want to do a record, I kind of force myself to turn them into real songs. And 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 that's kind of when all the you know the stories come out that I want to put to the song. But uh, it, my, I'm one of these people that starts with a melodic idea first. Usually, there's very few songs I would have begun with a lyric. I'm always fascinated to see how the others do it, you know, how you do it and how, you know, how Elton does it. And it just, it's just a thing that I love to know. What's my scene? Take me to when you were writing that song. Did you think that, uh, did you think it was going to become what it, no, what it um, ended up being? No, it was just a song, you know, I mean, I, I, mean, I liked it. I mean, all the songs I get excited by, you know, and there's that, that whatever it is that starts in the germ of the song and the seed is, is the thing that you're excited by and, and that makes you want to, Turn it, into, you know, tease it into something longer and bigger. And so, what's my scene was literally that melody, that is the guitar riff. Dun, da, da, da. Like I just was playing around as a D shape on the guitar. So I you know, lifted it off. I thought that's interesting. Yeah, that, I like that. And it's because I'm a really basic guitar player, and I, I just thought oh, I like that little the way that sounds, that little rhythm and that that little figure. Yeah, the high note, the dim down. Yeah, dim, that sounded like to yeah. me. That sounded like what's my what's my scene? You know, like that. That's sort of what it said to me, even though. It's literally just two notes, you know, but oh, three notes in the end in the third line. But I heard the words, what's my, what's my, what's, well, what's my what? What's my scene? You know, that's what I was, you know, just triggered something in me, you know. And so I had this title, I had these notes. Then again, you know, like, as I say, you, you're doing a verse and you, you, you realise, well, now that's, you know, verse and chorus, verse, chorus, but like, it's got to be more. You know? So I need, and, but I want it to be different. I don't want it to sound like, you know, it's got, it's got a contrast in some way to, to interest me, I, I'm, otherwise I get bored. So you know, so that's where the, the middle eight came from. Yeah, just exploring, and, and you know, you, you know when you're, you're hitting pay dirt, it just you know, it's like you know, it just feels you feel something. If you get the endorphins going, you know, you get that little little pleasure thing. I'm like, wow, I love that. That's interesting, you know, and that's that excites me. It's a masterpiece, and I find with a lot of Hoodoo Guru songs, there's no time to get bored. It just seems like you've trimmed the fat on every song that the Hoodoo Gurus have released, and it's just always interesting, and it finishes at the right time. That's the thing I pride myself on as a songwriter is, is I think it's my, my biggest strength, actually, is that um, apart from, you know, I mean, I think I have a good you know, grip on melody, which is, you know, some people aren't so focused on melody, but I really am, but I think structure. When I hear someone else's songs, I can't help myself. My brain immediately just goes there. It's like, and I feel a bit like, you know, some tradesmen, you can see it, you know, see a job or, you know, or, you know, you're a mechanic and you see an engine, you go, something's not right there. You know, you just, it's, it looks wrong or it sounds wrong or something. You know, you, they straight away know, whereas for me, I'll be going, is that sounds like an engine to me, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, until it sort of stops, the car stops and the wheels fall off, you don't, you know, I wouldn't notice. <laughs> but they would pick it up, you know, so far back, you know, and head off of the past before it became a problem. So um, I feel like that with songwriting, you know, I can I sort of you know hear something, and go like, well, why they do that? You know, they should have you know got rid of that bit or should have done that instead. And I can't stop my brain working that way. And I do that with my own stuff, you know, where it's just I just want to get to the you know the nitty gritty, you know, and, and clear away the undergrowth, you know. And I don't like adding decorations. And how many people do you let into your bubble there? It can be disheartening. Someone telling you that the song's not quite there, but I suppose if it's someone like a producer with the chops, they're allowed to do that. How many people do you let 
you know, in your bubble to tell you that, oh, maybe you should change this or that? So no one. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, you know, like we had, I was working with Wayne on this album. Wayne was fantastic. You know, he, he co-produced the album. And I, I got the official product. Previously, it's always said Hoodoo Gurus, you know, produced produced by Charles Fisher and Hoodoo Gurus, but it's always been me, really. So this right. time, for the first time, I actually said, look, I want to have Dave Fortner as producer on this rather than Hoodoo Gurus because it's actually it's me doing it. And I'm the one in the damn studio doing all the heavy lifting <laughs> and being there, you know, 24-7 along with uh, Wayne. In fact, Wayne started off, he was just going to be the engineer. And, in fact, you'd see in our first single, it just said engineered by, on the answered prayers, it just said engineered by Wayne. Connolly um, at that time. But then after working on the next singles and I thought, you know what, Wayne is really being very helpful on a production level to me. I mean, he's an incredible technician in terms of like operating pro tools and all these things just help us physically make the record. But also he was someone I was bouncing taste, you know, ideas and what do you think of this, you know, and, you know, he's, he occasionally suggested things which I often <laughs> wouldn't agree to, but, um, you know, sometimes I did and, and, um, you know, so Wayne was someone I would trust. Uh, Wayne, you know, and, and and Wayne could say to me, you know, as a singer, because as a singer, I, I couldn't be the producer of myself singing. So Wayne, in a sense, was like, you know, I would know when I'd sung it correctly, you know, like the pitch is right or the rhythm, whatever. But as in sort of aesthetically, whether I'd go, you know, I think a little bit too Frank Sinatra there maybe on, a, you know, the way I was delivering a line, Wayne would call, that, call me on that, say, I don't like yeah. that. You know, I don't like the way you sang that. To me, it sounds a bit you know, like you're being a lounge singer. And I go like, oh, really? I, I just thought I was being a bit kind of, you know, free. You've got some new fans in Ukraine. I love this story. It was uh, up on the Hoodoo's uh, Facebook page. I think they were basically in the rubble and uh, oh, one right. of the soldiers there has passed them the phone to listen to a Hoodoo Guru song. I think it was What's My Scene. And... They were just loving it, and I just love that story, thinking about those guys and girls over there who are fighting. How does that make you feel? Amazing. I mean, you know, those sorts of things, Just you can never predict where they're going to come from and what they are, but they're always amazing. Yeah, I just I read that story and I thought that's so cool. You know, they're over there in the in the rubble and they're listening to your music and um and, and it's picking them up and it's making their day better. I'm glad that we gave us you know something else to think about. You know, that was joyful and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, nurtured their spirits. All right, Dave, um, this tour, fingers, toes, everything crossed <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Thank you. I just had my boost, my second booster, so I was charming it just to be, give me maximum antibodies before the tour starts so I can, you know, hopefully ward them off. And it's selling out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 it's all good. No, it's all fine. Um, and the dandies going to be fun having them there. Going to love that. Dave Faulkner, Hoodoo Gurus, thank you so much for jumping on the Jeez, podcast. Sorry, sorry that it uh, cut out. Yeah, sorry I was late. I didn't leave you sitting there like, what, where is this asshole? But anyway, sorry. <laughs> anyway. Right, take care, mate. All right, cheers. Thank you so much. Bye. There he is, Dave Faulkner. Thank you for sharing so many stories. And it also begs the question, I suppose, for the listeners out there. Have you ever gotten so angry that you've thrown something? Have you ever thrown a bar stool? I'm curious. And also, it's good to see that Dave's still got them as friends. Despite, look, look, I think they're both in the bad corner. It happens. They're all friends. They made up. They're having beers. They might be angry at each other, but whatever. If you want to go and check out the Hoodoo Gurus, they are on tour next week. So this is a tour that's been rescheduled and then rescheduled again. But they are kicking off their tour 
in Brisbane. They're going to be playing at the River Stage Tuesday, the 13th of September. On Thursday, they're going to be at the Horden in Sydney. Then the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl, which is uh, in Melbourne on Friday, the 16th. They're also playing dates in Hobart, Adelaide, WA, and even heading across the Dutch to Wellington, New Zealand. That was my um, New Zealand accent. All right. It is time for this. Yeah, once again, this is the segment where you can write on into the show uh, about anything. Um, maybe you could be giving me shit about being a Tigers fan and not making the finals 10 or 11 years in a row. Um, maybe you could be writing in to say, hey, I enjoyed that guest you had last week. Or, hey, I didn't like enjoy that guest. Or, you know, you good criticisms. Good things, bad things, whatever you want to say, you can write on in. Um, the podcast, Very Fancy, has its own website now, so you can check it out, thestreetpresspodcast.com. So head there. There is a contact page there. You can write me a little email, and I can read it out in this segment called Letters. Um, Cam Crew wrote into me after listening to the Friendsville Rom episode. That was episode one. So what are we at now? Number seven. Cam said, Sean, great pod. I enjoyed that. I must say, though, maybe it's just me. It felt like a very quiet mix. I've had a few people come up to me and talk to me about the sound levels of the podcast. They have been fixed. Um, the Lindsay Frenzel Rom episode, we I interviewed him in the car, which was a bit difficult to do. Um, so the sound levels went up and down in that one. But all of the other pods... I've just re-uploaded and the quality levels should be pretty normal, pretty good. I know it's, it's very boring audio talk, but I'm a radio guy, so I like to make sure that everything sounds sweet and smooth to the ears. Um, but Cam also said that he was interested to hear that the doctor thinks that Meet the Family is mixed better than Not So Tough now, obviously talking about Friends of Rom Records. I still think that one of their best mixed albums, Cam, would be A Man's Not a Camel, the big album that they uh, had a lot of the hits on and and did really well commercially with. I, I feel like that album was sonically very good. So, yeah, that's the segment for the week. In terms of my band, The Ritzy Kids, we are a pop-punk band from Sydney. We're playing a gig in a couple of weeks' time. The Bridge Hotel, Roselle, September 30. It's a Friday night. TheRitzyKids.com. You can check out the band. We've got music videos, got music up there. We've even got merch. If you want to keep the lights on at my house, grab a shirt, grab a stubby cooler. Not forcing you to. I've actually got a full-time job, so I don't need the money. But <laughs> if you want to support the band, you can do so uh, that way. Um, but come to the gig. If you're in Sydney, come on out. It's going to be such a great night. Debut gig too. I've been writing songs for over a year and a half now and releasing them, and I just can't wait to play it with the band. We've been rehearsing every week. It's been a lot of fun. I think that'll do for this week's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully I'll have you back next week. Ta-da. Ta-da.